Okay, our text today will be Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and also John chapter 1, verse 29. Now, the title of the message uh, for today is A Child and a Lamb at A&P. Now, I was up in Tennessee when I got a text from the office saying, what was that title again that you left us? <laughs> Where did he get that? You know, and so I had to say, yes, that is the title. But uh, it, it's interesting because a lot of us that are older in here, we remember the A&P grocery store. Uh, many of us shopped in those at least once or twice in our lifetime, if not uh, more than that. But uh, it's, it's interesting that uh, over the years, uh, people just got to know it, and then other stores came in, and things happened, and for too long, it wasn't the big store. But actually, in 1859, the Great Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company, that's what the A&P was uh, for, Atlantic and Pacific, but not in my sermon, okay, today. But uh, uh, that's when they started, was in 1859, and then by 1878, they already had 200 stores. Now, you say, well, what's so big about that? Well, back then, uh, not even telegraph went everywhere. Uh, they didn't have telephones. They didn't have TV. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have any of those things. You know, they just didn't have anything of that nature. So for it to grow like that was amazing. It was just amazing for something like that to happen. By 1915, it had 1,600 stores. That was still amazing in that day. Uh, then uh, the store, the, the, actually those stores were like this. Today we have things like Audi, Walmart, and people think of those stores, they think of, well, you get the groceries for less prices. Well, basically that's the way they started back then with A&P. Uh, they were less prices, and all you had to compete against was mom and pop stores. And so a lot of those went out of business trying to compete with them. They, they couldn't keep up with them. They had all these goods, this merchandise. So whoever came up with that idea came up with a good thing. I still don't understand to this day why uh, some of these big grocery stores, they get bigger, then they want to add this, add that, that. And before too long, they're out of business as well because they forgot what they got started on. Just like Christians sometimes forget it was the Lord Jesus Christ that saved them, you know. And then they want to bring the world back into it, and that's always doomed for failure. And so uh, that was the way it got started. Then in 2015, uh, they filed for bankruptcy, and that was the end of A&P. But uh, uh, that tells us we have to be consistent and be consistent with what got you there. What's going to get me to heaven is Jesus Christ because he shed his blood on the cross for me, was buried and rose from the dead, and that's what's going to uh, count for me. But now, let me get it right here into our first text. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Okay, there's the child. Uh, a child is born unto us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince 
of peace. Then our other text is John 1.29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, now I want you to listen to this, when John the Baptist is saying this, it's like he's saying, you ever uh, have somebody say, wow, look at that. And everybody turns their head and looks. And that's the, really the idea that is here. So when he says that, he's, and uh, he sees Jesus coming uh, unto him and saith, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Well, we see the child and the lamb, but we're going to see as we get further in the message what that has to do with A-N-P. All right. Uh, let's have a word of prayer, then we'll get started. Father, I pray as we go to this message, if there's one in this auditorium who does not know that if they died today, that heaven's their home, I pray that before this uh, day is over, they will know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord God and Savior. If there's one that has wandered far from you, may today be the day in which they come home in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. One of the good things about before I start the message is somebody took the clock away, so I have I have no clock today. Okay, so that's good. There's one up there. Where? Okay, so, but uh, nonetheless, <laughs> let's get started here. Uh, there are things about Christmas that have been introduced by man, but really they're not based on biblical fact. Now, I'm about to say something, and this is not at Kevin or anybody else. I'd already had this in my sermon. I didn't know the songs he was going to sing today. I was still done at Kevin, but, uh, and it's not wrong, the songs he sang today. So don't think I'm attacking what he did today. No, I'm not doing that at all. They were fine. They're good songs. But what I'm saying here, we sing, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. Nothing is recorded in the Bible that the angels sang there when they saw the uh, shepherds in the field. Nothing in the Bible says they sang. Oh, yes, it does. Uh, it, it says it there. It's, it's very clear. Uh, where, where it says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Yeah, the Bible says they joined in together saying. They said it. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm a shepherd in that day, and it's at night, and I look up in that dark sky, and all of a sudden there's this brightness of angels all around there, I'm going to grab somebody and put them in front of me in case they're going to start striking us with lightning. You know, I just don't know. But uh, they, they are up there, and certainly that got their attention. And so they join in saying. Uh, and so it doesn't say anything about singing there at Jesus' birth. Now, in heaven, when we get to heaven, we do know that we're going to sing the praises of God. But even in heaven, the Bible tells us that as we sing those songs, the angels will join in, saying. You say, well, man, why in the world do they, they just say instead of sing? Can't they sing? Now, I hope what I've said so far uh, on this won't ruin Christmas for any of you, and you have to go to six months of counseling. Uh, but uh, uh, after Satan's fall, the good angels of heaven are, are no longer seen singing. 
we, we do see that after his fall, uh, they, the, Jesus and his disciples, they sang. So it's not singing that's wrong. And, and that doesn't uh, mean it's singing. But there was one time when the angels, before the fall of Satan, did sing. As a matter of fact, Job 38 and verse 7 says, and I'll use the word when when I tell you what it says, but the word when is in there, and that's important because the word when shows at some time something did happen. There it says, when the morning stars, speaking of angels, when the morning stars sang together. The word when has the idea when it used to happen, but it doesn't happen now. All the good angels don't do that now. But it just doesn't happen anymore. The angels are in heaven. Satan was in charge of heaven's music. Now when Satan rebelled against God, he corrupted everything that he can corrupt. Anything he can touch, he'll corrupt. He corrupted the music. Therefore, the angels no longer sing. He corrupted them. And the, the music and the good angels would not have anything to do with it. Uh, they don't want to be associated with Satan and Satan's angels. They don't want anything to do with that. Now, as I said, Jesus did sing with his disciples. We'll sing in heaven. And even the angels, the good angels, in the tribulation, Revelation talks about seven trumpet judgments. And a different angel each time will blow a trumpet. So there is music, okay, even from the angels in blowing that trumpet. However, those trumpets are not worship trumpets. <coughs> Excuse me. Instead, they are judgment trumpets. And God will use them to blow those horns. Now, one more thing about uh, biblical ideas of Christmas, which are not really good ideas. Uh, we have our, our calendar that we're looking at. Today's December the 11th. That's called the Gregorian calendar. And so, if December 25th is it every year, uh, Jesus Christ is not born on December the 25th. Now, I'll explain that in a little bit. Don't get upset with me yet, okay? Um, but it's not really right. The Gregorian calendar is not really right. Neither is the Jewish calendar right. I confirmed that with the Jew, to be honest with you. I, uh, a Jew that is a well-known Jew asked him about it, and he confirmed that to me. Now, therefore, December 25th is not likely the date of the birth. Now, I, I want you to understand, I don't want you to leave me right now because I'm doing this uh, not to offset something like that. Actually, December 25th came at the time, I believe, was uh, something that celebrated uh, really in Rome. It was a pagan holiday. Christians were in Rome, and they wanted to have a celebration. I believe that's why they did it. I don't know if that is it, but I believe that's why it was it. They were in Rome, so they had their own thing to celebrate the Christ of birth. Unfortunately, they chose that date. That doesn't necessarily mean that was the date. Now, 
point out more about this, and that's where the A and P will come in. Now, the Bible tells us shepherds are in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. When the angels suddenly appeared, and of course they joined in saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. Uh, that's a great message. You don't have to sing it for it to be a great message, okay? That was a great message. Now, and by the way, I'm not going to get upset if we sing about the angels singing. That, that's all right with me, because it's not just the angels singing we see in those songs. We see another message in there. I'm just saying that that's not really it. But it, it's great. Do I get upset? No, I'll just TP his yard. Um, but not really, okay. Uh, but we also see that for Mary and Joseph, there was no room for them in the inn. Now, that tells me something. I've been in Jerusalem in November, and it is cold. I'll tell you, it's cold. We were fortunate not to see snow the time I was there in November, but often it does snow in Jerusalem. Bethlehem's only five miles away from Jerusalem. So if it's going to snow there, it's going to snow in Bethlehem. Keep it in mind that the highest point in Israel is Jerusalem. Anywhere you go in Israel to go to Jerusalem, you're always going up to Jerusalem. Up to Jerusalem. That's, that's just the way it is, okay? That's the way God made it. So Bethlehem, just five miles away, uh, not really uh, a long, long way away from it. So uh, usually when we're in Jerusalem, we also visit Bethlehem that same day. So if they're coming all the way from Nazareth, all the way coming, Joseph and Mary walking to Jerusalem. Sometimes we have a picture of her on her donkey, and maybe they, I hope they did, but if not, then she had to walk it too. This lady is expecting, she's near that nine month, and they're walking all the way to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem. Uh, why? Because they are going to be taxed there. Now, in Bethlehem, there are many caves, big caves. I've been in some of those caves, big and roomy. They would take sheep in there. That's why there would be a manger in them. That's why there would be hay in them. That's why there'd be those cloths. It's called swaddling clothes. But those weren't actually clean cloths that you would just really want to wrap your baby in. But they were in there uh, for the purpose of dealing with animals. And so, uh, I'm saying the sheep would not be in the fields at that time of year. They would not be there at that time. In December, most likely they're not. Those shepherds don't want to be out in the field all night long with sheep when it's that cold. They want to get them into another place. Uh, now, as I said, there's no room for them in the inn. Uh, that happened for a reason. Normally, Bethlehem was not so crowded that every room would be taken up. Now, their hotels were not like that. A lot of people, their homes were open up to do that. They didn't have the internet again to go and reserve rooms. 
get on telephone, call, and reserve. They didn't have that. It was a first come, first serve. By the time they get there, walking all that distance, there's no room for them. But they get to go out and stay in that little stall. We might call it a barn, but actually it was a cave. Okay, so they get to go stay there where Jesus would be born. Now, you say, so why did they come at that time? Well, all the world should be taxed. They had a time period in which they had to pay those taxes. Uh, it had to be taken care of. Now, it wasn't on a specific date. Just like us, our taxes are due April the 15th. That's the deadline. But they like you to kind of pay it before then. But now we don't have to worry January the 1st. Aren't you glad after Christmas you don't have to do it January the 1st? But they have those uh, uh, dates, and you got a certain time to get that in. That's why Joseph and Mary was coming at that time. So they're coming uh, before winter. They're trying to make it in before winter to pay that, but there's also other problems going on. It would be very cold in Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And with that in mind, I'm getting you now to something that is very important, and that important thing is the A, the A that is in this. You see, the A uh, in this is something that you might not have thought of. But before I show you the A, I want you to see the Jewish New Year. The Jewish New Year is referred to as Rosh Hashanah. And you've seen that word out there, and so, well, that's some kind of religious day for them. It's actually their New Year. That's when they uh, celebrate New Year's. It happened most often in late September, mid to late September, more often late September, or early October, maybe even up to mid-October. But it wasn't the same date every year, but it was within that time frame. And, and so it would happen then. It differs from year to year. Once the Jewish calendar uh, is, is uh, out there and you see it, you say, well, that's not our calendar. No, it's not. It's different. You see, the Jewish calendar is different than ours because their months are 30 days, sometimes 29 days. So that's different than what we have in theirs. Matter of fact, they would add an extra month at certain points. Their months are lunar months. Everything was dependent upon the lunar months. Uh, that's why I said it would be a 29-day month or it might be a 30-day month. But to synchronize the 12 lunar months with the solar year, they would add an extra month along the line. For example, you have over seven months added in a period of 19 years. You say, wouldn't that be confusing? Not if you're a Jew. But yeah, it would be confusing to me. So, on their calendar, the new year, for them, begins somewhere late September, 
early October most often. But something else happens during that time. That other thing that happens is called Yom Kippur. Uh, perhaps you've heard of that. We know that day. Now, you hear Yom Kippur today it's more often than not. But really, that day is what we know from the Bible as the Day of Atonement. That Day of Atonement must start within 10 days after the new year started. So within 10 days, that day would begin. The Day of Atonement. A lamb of the first year will be chosen to be sacrificed. That lamb of the first year had to be perfect. Couldn't have a disease in it. Couldn't have uh, any kind of scarred up ways or anything like that in the lamb. It just couldn't be. Perhaps Bethlehem is full because it is the new year. People are in there to celebrate because now the Day of Atonement is coming. They've got to be near Jerusalem. Within five miles, Jerusalem is filled with people. And so, here comes Joseph and Mary. They can't find a place. They get to stay in a cave. And she has the baby that night. So Jesus is born at a time in Bethlehem when it's filled to capacity. And people are just seeking lodging everywhere they can find. That's what happened with Jesus. That's what happened with Joseph and Mary. They're looking. This is a special day, the Day of Atonement. But you see, on the Day of Atonement, a lamb had to be given. On that day, it had to be a young lamb of the first year. So the A is Jesus, the child, is the atoning lamb that will atone for our sin. Now, you need to understand something about that, though. They celebrate this every year. Atonement. You say, well, don't they have the Passover too? Yeah, but that's later. Actually, Passover comes before the Day of Atonement. Passover is earlier in the year. It's usually in the springtime. It's till late fall that we see that uh, the Day of Atonement. You say, well, why is that? Why did the Bible set that up that way? Why, why do they do that? I think it's interesting because it ties in with 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. It's addressed to saved people there. Save people this is addressing. And it said, the blood of Jesus cleanses us of our sin. But they're already saved. But he also says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What happened? When you get saved, that doesn't mean you won't sin anymore. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. But after we get saved, we still sin. And because we still sin, it's not that that will send us to hell. 
may lose reward, may receive the chastening of God, the scourging of God. So what happens? The Day of Atonement was a day of confessing of sin among the Jewish people. They were already Jews. They were committed to their faith. But now they are confessing sins that they've committed. I guess the new year comes in and there's some things they do they shouldn't do. And so they're confessing sins on the Day of Atonement when that lamb would be offered. And isn't it interesting when they would do the lamb on the Day of Atonement, and they would do this also on the Passover, the lamb that would be sacrificed before it was sacrificed, the people would be standing there watching all around the temple, and they'd have that lamb face the people. Beautiful lamb. No spot or anything of that nature. And the people would see that lamb's blood is going to be shed for me, for my sin. So that happened on the Day of Atonement. And so, uh, on the Day of Atonement, our sins are to be atoned for. Now, we need to understand what that word uh, atonement means, uh, as it appears in the Word of God. It is to stand equivalent, uh, to make reparation, amends, satisfaction for an offense or a crime by which reconciliation is procured between the offended and the offending parties. Propitiation means the entire payment is made. The atonement isn't made unless there is an entire payment made and it is received. First John chapter 2, verse 2, uh, they're being addressed and that, that his blood is the, the propitiation for our sins. But it doesn't stop there. That book addressed to Christians, saved people, but it says, but not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Anybody can get saved from their sin. You see, that's what it was about. It's a propitiation. The blood atones for blood. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, they both call for the death penalty in the Bible when somebody takes another person's life. They kill somebody, it calls for blood. Actually, I know very few of them it happens to, at least as we see it. But I believe that medical doctors who kill babies in the womb have a price for blood to pay. Blood for blood. I won't get that blood from them, but God will. Now think of uh, these things. The death penalty in the Bible is called for taking someone else's life. There are people, even there's some Christians say, oh, you shouldn't kill somebody because they killed someone else. Put them to death for that. Then you just said, hey, God, guess what? You got it all wrong. Well, I'd never say that. Then don't stand against the death penalty. Because that's the way God laid it out in the New Testament as well as in the Old Testament. 
It's in both. It's what God said. So you can think differently, but then you're disagreeing with God, and that's not smart at all. Uh, the land that would be chosen would be, again, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Uh, people confess their sin, and then that young lamb is offered. And that came by every year on the Day of Atonement. Jesus come, I believe. The Bible doesn't say this specifically, but everything points to it in the Bible. The specific day was not a pagan holiday, but it was rather a day of atonement to show Jesus Christ what he would do for us. This is the Savior. Unto us a Savior is given. And so he would become that atoning blood, the Lamb for the sins of the world. As a child, is the atonement for our sins in the A and P. That's why I, I knew people say, A and P, well, how's it going to get that? Well, I'm actually looking at the atonement that he has for us. But I want to hear you to hear these verses because the P has to do with Passover. That baby would grow up, he'd live a 33 and a half years, and then he would be sacrificed on a cross. Now, he is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. No wonder John was excited. The Lamb. The Lamb of God. So listen to these verses about that. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, And the angel appeared. Now, this angel's appearing unto Mary. Tells her she's going to bear a child, the Christ child. And she says, how am I going to bear a child? Sin, I don't know a man. I'm not married. I don't have, I, I, I just don't know a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. You see, the Holy Spirit was active. And the Father gave the Holy Spirit to come upon Mary's spirit and then within her body form a seed. That's why in Genesis chapter 3, when the promises of the coming Messiah to Eve, he calls it the seed of the woman. The seed's always of the man. But in this case, it was a seed formed in the woman by the Holy Spirit. And so the seed is of the woman. So the Holy Spirit is involved in Christ's birth. Now go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, Again, that's the birth of Christ. When he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary, 
That's the seed. But it was the Father that took over it. For the next nine months, the Father would form the body of that baby, Jesus, in her. The Father, the Holy Spirit, both involved in this birth. And so he forms this baby over the next nine months. Now Psalms chapter 22, verses 6 through 9. It's the story about the cross. 1,000 years before the cross actually happens. And he says, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. So here he is on the cross. He says, I'm a worm. You know, there's something about that that ties into the Proverbs chapter 31. You know, the Proverbs 31, Mother's Day, we talk about, oh, be the Proverbs 31 woman. But it says there in the 21st verse that her, she's not afraid for her household because they are all dressed in scarlet. Now, that had some meaning there. Uh, some tried to translate that into double garments so they won't get cold. No, that's not it. It says scarlet, and that word's always translated scarlet in other places. Some have tried to change it. Well, it actually meant double. No, it doesn't actually mean that. You see, it was illustrating something. Scarlet, they had to weave of wool. Don't you get that out of a lamb. They weave of wool. And then they would take these worms. They called, we, the word used was tola. And they would squeeze these worms. And then they would use what they squeezed out to dye the wool. Scarlet. Her family was dressed in scarlet. They're covered with the blood. But just think, Jesus is born as a little baby, and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. But they're swaddling clothes. They're not clean clothes. They're, those things are used for the animals. They're not that great. You see, Jesus was covered there on the cross, swaddled by my sin. Our sin upon him. And so 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's the day when He would die on the cross. He would become that Passover, the letter P. All they that see Him, He says in the next verse, verse 7, Laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord that He should uh, deliver Him. Well, let Him deliver Him, seeing He delivered, uh, uh, that He delighted in Him. But verse 9 says, But thou art He. Speaking of the Father, but thou art he that took me out of the womb. I don't know how that birth went, but I know the Father drew him out, and Joseph had to do the rest, I'm sure. But the Father drew that baby out safely because it was the Son of God.
And so he says, Thou dost make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. In the very humanity of Jesus Christ as a babe, a newborn, a son. He is the hope because his hope is to save every soul that will come to him in repentance and faith. The milk of life. The Day of Atonement will be observed every generation, we're told, in the Bible. And every generation to observe that day. But they also observe the day of Passover. The Passover saved me. Atonement, I need to keep a clean record before my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet, the clean record cannot be there. I can't go to heaven just on, because Jesus died if I do not receive him as my Lord and Savior. So the Passover, he is the Lamb. Unto us is born a child, the atonement that will be for us. And today, the Lamb of God still takes away the sin of the world. That son, that child, that son that was given to us still forgives us even though we fail when we call upon him. You know, when I think of all of that, I'm going to bring this up to a close now. The cross, even the conditions in a cave for him to be born. Laid in the feeding trough, a manger of animals. Wrapped in those swaddling clothes, which was a nice way of saying old rag. Worn out rags. He did that for us. For us. Why? Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one person under the sound of my voice right now that has not sinned. Look, you don't have to ask yourself, well, what is sin? The Bible tells you the thought of foolishness is sin. Him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. Uh, he that looked upon a woman to lust after her, it is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. If it's not righteous, it's sin. On we can go about envy, hate, all kinds of things is sin. We only think of, oh, adultery. Oh, he killed somebody. Yeah, that's sin. But you don't understand, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree, it's like a little child saying, hey, don't take that candy out of the dish for supper. Takes, gets a piece of candy. You don't kill them. You don't kill them. But the wages of sin, Romans 6.23 says, is death. Final, complete separation from God forever in the lake of fire. But God commendeth himself 
commendeth, gives himself. Commendeth himself towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, in our worst state, just as we are, Christ died. Our Passover died for us. He, when we've sinned since we're saved and we're so ashamed of it, we come back to him and that blood is still on the mercy seat of heaven and it atones for us. Oh, what a Savior. If you're a Christian, I want to say this first to you. He gave his all for us. What are we going to give him of our life? You've got a new year coming up. What are you going to give him this year that's consistent? Well, I'm, 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 going to start the, I'm going to start that. Well, what are you going to start and keep on doing for Jesus Christ and not quit? And you'll find that in God's Word, what He wants you to do. He'll impress on your heart through His Word and His Holy Spirit what to do. Why not say, Lord, whatever it is you'd have me to do, it doesn't matter what it is, I'll do it and I'll do it and I'll do it until you tell me to quit doing it, not because I get tired of it or somebody offends me. I'm going to keep on doing it. That. That is the love of God. That's when Christ is in you and seen in and through you. Oh, yes, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. And it still continues. But if you're not sure, you can't give a good Bible reason why if you died today that you'd go to heaven. My friend, Jesus has promised you. He's promised you. If you come to him, John 14, 6, he would in no wise cast you out. But you come to him in repentance and faith. Lord, I'm turning from myself. It's not about me. It's all about you now. You come into my life. You change me. You make me what I ought to be. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins and come to my heart and save me right now. And he'll save you. My friend, we're going to have a hymn of invitation in just a moment. This is going to be your opportunity to come and receive him as your Lord and Savior. If you're not sure, if you died today that heaven's your home, don't play Russian roulette with your soul. Come to him today, won't you? Let us bow our heads.